Well, Jeff, good to see you. Good Pat, morning. Always a pleasure. So we are here with Jeff Miller here in the uh, the studio here at Tower Hill Realty. And Jeff is uh, the owner of Jeff Miller Consulting Alliance. At Jeff Miller Consulting Alliance, they focus on business coaching, executive coaching, organizational change, um, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, and really, that that's a top-down reality, right? When you're coaching leaders, that, that does change the organization and strategic planning. So just a, a wealth of knowledge in Jeff. Um, he's, he's a dear friend of mine and um, and colleague and, and someone who, I, on, a, on a regular basis, we get together to mastermind. And um, just really appreciate you coming in, Jeff. A lot Thanks of fun. for having me. Um, so, so I want to just jump in because I, I've got friends in all sorts of industries. And I want to talk about coaching specifically. And sure. you're clearly the guy. You've spent years at, at this. Um, and and what I love about your experience is that you, you coach over such a wide array of different industries. Mm-hmm. Um that that you bring such a wealth of experience to just how to how to look at these different pitches, right? A lot of coaches are focused on a very specific industry, so they get really good at that, and sometimes I think get blinders, um, or th- then this can happen, right? When you just don't look outside of what your regular purview is, you get blinders as to you know, well, this is how it's always done, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in management, we see that in leadership in in certain industries, and you can even see that in coaches. So I just love that you've got this wide array of of uh, of coaching experience over so many industries for so many years. And what I'd really want to get into today is just helping folks because I've, some of my friends go, well. The, the idea of a coach, and this is the old stigma, if you need a coach- You're broken. You're broken, right? Yeah. You know, you, you, why can't you figure this out yourself? So why do people need coaches? Well, I like to sort of, and thanks for the great intro, Pat. Yeah. Um, I like to reframe that a little bit differently. It's not a question of needing a coach. Yeah. The question really is, why wouldn't you want to work with a coach? Great. So if you look at any successful- industry, any successful player in an industry, whether it's sports, whether it's actors, whether it's opera singers, they are all working with coaches. Yeah. Um, you know, every, every spring I go down to see spring training with my brother and you're watching these, you know, million dollar, multi-million dollar ball players yeah. who've been catching fly balls and shagging, you know, catching grounders forever. Yeah. And there's a coach standing them sure. right in back of them. Yeah. Say, well, you know, watch that mechanic, watch it. So that stigma of I need a coach, uh, it's really I want a coach because I want to maximize my talent. I want to go to places. I want to try to touch greatness. Yeah. And we all know it's much more difficult to do that alone. Yeah. So by having somebody from the outside who's looking in, sure. uh, you know, to me, that's, that's the value. It's not, it's not about, um, you know, you're doing this wrong. It's a question of where are you and where do you want to be? So it's really, I love the expression of greatness, right? That's one of our core, core beliefs here is that no matter what your seat on the bus, we're all called to a, a greatness, really. To, and that deri- from that, you derive an enormous amount of joy and, 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 and satisfaction in what you do. Um, so that idea of greatness, it, it, and I love the correlation between the idea of, of striving for greatness in everything that you do and being coachable. Yeah. Right. And and that's a that's a great correlation. And and so thanks for reframing that for me. And you know, it's interesting you use the word being coachable. And I and I do I coach young coaches who are coming into the business. Yeah. I do some coaching around that. And it's one of the things I talk about um is 
On, on the coachable side. On the coachable side, yeah. So one of the things I coach about around for coaches, everybody's coachable. Yeah. The question is, are you the right coach? Mm. Is your methodology the right methodology? Sure. Are you leaving your ego at the door? Yeah. Is the relationship more about you or about the client? Yeah. Right? Whose goals are at play here? Is it the goal of the client or is it my goal for the client? Because I can't have a goal for the client other than maximizing talent, maximizing yeah. revenue, maximizing the culture in the organization, the relationships, minimizing the drama yeah. that goes around. There's got to be an, an enormous amount of humility in a coach. Absolutely. One of the, when I mentioned, I uh, use the term touching greatness. Yeah. Uh, that comes from my coach, uh, who I've been working with now for about four years. And people say, Jeff, you have a coach. You're doing this 14 years. You're kind of on the top. I said, why wouldn't I have a coach? Yeah. Right. I don't see my own blind spots. Sure. And as importantly to your point, it keeps you humble. Yeah. Coaching is, is a lot of humility. If you're going to be successful at this game, um, that whole question of leaving your ego there, and I've got a pretty healthy ego. You know me well enough. But when I'm coaching, it's about you. It's not about me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, because, you know, and it's hard, I think. Oftentimes we, as the coach, people look at us as the guy with all the answers, as, as, the, as the lady with all the answers. And so... It's easy to to have that ego, that sort of self-aggrandizement, so the sense of, gee, I've made it, and let me show you, let me be the guru and show you the path to where I am, right? Yeah. And and it's a, and it's a different paradigm, um, and the, and we know this. People and, who are great at keeping you humble like that, by the way, or I found in my kid with my kids, yeah. like they would look at me sometimes and say, Dad, just like take the whistle out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> like can we just talk? It's great when they get old <laughs> enough to express that. Um, but that's and I, also fundamental leadership um, principle is that great leaders, really great leaders who instill greatness in others are humble. So it's a, it's a different twist on it. And there's a lot of industry that's built up. I mean, you've seen it in the last 14 years, plus how many people have gotten into the coaching business, right? Um, because it's in, in many ways sort of an easy sell, right? Listen, if you wanna be great, the greatest athletes in the world have been coached. Here's, here's the model, let's follow that model and. I can be that guy for you for just this much a month, right? So um, it's really, it's a very refreshing idea that you're bringing to the table in terms of that that humility, the leaving the ego at the door, making it all about the client. And and frankly, that's that in any industry, any, any really wildly successful person on a client basis, the client knows if you're in it for you, oh, yeah. right? So- that's uh, that, that's really refreshing. And part- one of the great, sorry to interrupt, no, no, no. but you know, a great quote that speaks to this spe- spe- specifically from leadership perspective is Abe Lincoln, who's one of his great quotes on leadership is getting people to do what you need them to do, mm-hmm. but allowing them to think it was their idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's again circle back to humility and, yeah. and being humble. So, and it's really all about asking great questions, right? Um, asking questions rather than telling. Yeah. In, in a coaching relationship is so fundamental. Um, and, and so as we're going through here, if you, if you, if you want to throw out some of those, those nuggets, uh, you know, those secrets to the trade in terms of your questions um, that you're asking people that can to keep them, keep them going. Uh, I'd love that if, if that's something you want to go Sure, into. No, absolutely. So it's a methodology, um, you know, and you mentioned the plethora of, of, of coaches that are out there yeah. now. I mean, I started business 14 years ago. 
And I told people I was a business coach and they looked at me like I had a third eye. <laughs> now you walk into a room and half the room are coaches. Yes. Of, you know, what, what, of whatever, business coaching, executive coaching, life coaching, yeah. health coaching, wellness. So on one hand, that's great because yeah. it brings recognition to the, to, the, to, the, to the brand, if you will. Uh, it also unfortunately means that there are some coaches out there who should not be coaches. Yeah. Uh, what we do uh, holds a lot of power and a lot of value for people. And one of the things that I always coach coaches that I'm coaching about is if you're coaching, have a methodology. Yeah. You know, when I onboard a client, I have a very specific way that I do it. I have a very specific methodology uh, through a variety of different trainings that I've done and certifications that I've done. But it, it's really about active inquiry. Yeah. It's about getting permission. And then it's about asking questions that will allow you to go deeper and deeper. Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's no, you know, there's no proprietary uh, seal on any of this. It's sure. like, so tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, Pat, I, I hear what you're saying. How's that working out? Where's it showing up? Mm -hmm. How's it showing up in the business? How's it showing up in your life? Yeah. Uh, how do we maximize it? How can we minimize it? Sure. So it's, it's by those kinds of probing, open-ended questions that aren't superfluous and they're not superficial. They're really... Um, designed to go down and down and down. Because yeah. until I get as a coach, until I get to the core issue mm -hmm. or core issues or limiting belief or whatever that might be, mm -hmm. I'm not going to really be able to impact on your business a whole lot. So sure. there's the bottom line secret, Sure, uh, which I used to be not as verbose in, in saying. The fact of the matter is, as a business coach, I come in and my aim is to grow your business mm -hmm. on a variety of different levels. Yeah organizationally, revenue-wise, marketing, sales, hiring, all of those things. Sure. The bottom line is until you and I establish a relationship of trust and I'm able to get to understand where the area, clearly you're successful, you've built this wonderful business. Mm. What's holding you back from that next step? Sure. And until I can get to that, then my impact on the business will be minimal. Once I can get to that, yeah. And in actuality, I think that's really what one of my strengths as a business coach is, as a coach, is being able to get to the core issues. Yeah. Then we can take the business to whatever levels you want to go to. So let's talk about those issues, right? So it's almost to this, to this question that I have, um, how does somebody know that they need a coach? And I, we've talked about, frankly, everybody needs coaches and, and you and I have coaches in different parts of our lives, sure. right? Um, whether it's athletic, spiritual, or or, or business-wise, coaching is, is very much a part of both of our lives. But how do you know, or what are the indicators? What are those those key indicators that, that you should be looking for? Because I think it's helpful, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's helpful to know what you want to get out of a coaching relationship. And maybe that's an issue of self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Um do you know, what are, what are the things as you're digging, you're asking these questions initially, what are you looking for in that self-awareness that'll tell you, you know, this person is coachable and they have an area in particular in business that, that I can be of service in? Sure. So, um, the first question I would ask is, are you where you want to be? Mm -hmm. And if you are, that's great. Sure. Uh, if you're not where you want to be, well, let's look at that sure. and let's look at what that means. What, where, what are the areas in the business that where you're not where you want to be? Um, and what are the things that are holding you back? Mm -hmm. So that's, 
that's an overall indication. Sure. More specifically, you know, it always comes down to time, team, and money. Mm. So if you're having issues with cash flow, with receivables, mm-hmm. um, if you're building a wonderful business, but you're not seeing your kids play, you know, soccer or, or ball on the in the on the weekends, sure, uh, that's a time issue. Yeah. You know, times become everybody has time management issues, which is a very interesting subject in and of itself because. I've stopped talking about time management. I call it self-management. Yeah. Because we're always willing to waste five or 10 minutes. Sure. But how much of yourself are you willing to waste? It's the end of your life and you're counting backwards. Yeah. And you go, oh my God, I gave up six months of my life to playing solitaire. Yeah. It's really a discipline issue. It's discipline, but it's self. Prioritization. It's valuing the one resource that we can never get back and that's time. Yeah. Everything else, money, friends, you know, relationships, we can always renew, find new ones. But time, it's the one How thing that doesn't that come resource. back. Yeah. So it was Betsy's birthday this past weekend. It was a big one. Um, and as I wrote her a poem, and it was about sunsets and sunrises. You know, sunsets are inevitable. Yeah. Sunrises, it's all about what do we do at that time. You're right? such a romantic. I am. And you, you're, you're putting me on the spot now. I've got to write Elena a poem now. Um, uh, that's back, back to the question, though, also... So time, team, money, um, very t- very often it's it's a lack of focus. Mm. It's They've lost the drive or the discipline or the, the love, the vision. vision you know, I, don't, I don't know where I want to be in three years. Yeah. Or I'm not even sure where I am today. I'm just so much in the trenches of yeah. the day-to-day, of, of just the grind, making money, looking at the books that I haven't picked my head up. Yeah, well, it's the old Michael Gerber, you know, E-Myth, are you working in the business or on the business? Sure. You know, I watched my dad work in a business for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And as a family-owned business, you know, we all know the ebbs and the flows and how that impacts on, on the family. Yeah. So, yeah. Just, you know, part of my commitment is is really building community. Yeah. It's improving the lives of those family business owners to make better better community, happier kids, better schools. Sure. Business is a vehicle for that that Absolutely. personal success as well, right? It's And and some one of the things we talk about all the time here is if – if what we're doing here organizationally is not actually enriching you and your personal life, what are we doing? Yeah. We've probably got a bad fit. We've either have a bad fit for the role or a bad fit for the, the culture. Um, and, and you talked about um, people, talent, right? The people you're surrounding yourself with. How often do you see organizations that are just sort of tolerating people who've been in roles and, and sort of have just evolved into that, whether it's family members or, or people that have been been with them for a while, or just plugging holes with um, somebody else because I don't want to do that anymore. You know, how 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 systemic is that? Uh, it's pretty systemic. Yeah. And it's why I talk about organizational change and talent evaluation mm-hmm. uh, and not, not being satisfied with mediocrity. Mm. Um, which is interesting and it ties in very much so to the millennial generation mm-hmm. who sometimes get a bad rap. Yeah. Uh, this generation, they want to be part of an organization that's part of something bigger. Sure. You know, that's, yeah, well, how are you involved in the community? They want how to understand the why. Back? They want to understand the why. I mean, we had Nick in town a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And Nick is all about the, Nick Cirillo, and he's all about the why. You know, the how and the what, we got that down. Sure. Well, we can certainly figure it out. It's the why. It's the purpose. It's why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not to sell real estate or it's yeah. not to coach business owners. There has to be a purpose bigger than that. Sure. And when you don't have that, when that is missing, you've got a workplace that has a whole lot of drama, mm. a whole lot of inefficiency. Mm-hmm. You know, if you th- kind of think of a, of a cycle, so if, you know, you could go 
if you have drama, mm-hmm. drama goes to clutter. Clutter yeah. goes to incompletes. And incompletes just lead to being stuck and inefficient and non-profitable. And that, in a very broad sense, is probably the major challenge that organizations are facing out there today that I see. Interesting. Um, yeah. And there's there's a lack of really evaluating talent, which is why I work with a very specific uh, psychometric uh, assessment that is specifically geared toward understanding how one is hardwired, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, being able to create a job match. Yeah. So to your point, you know, uh, right people on the bus, but maybe in the wrong seat. Yeah. So let's yeah. keep them on the bus. Let's just move them over to row eight. Right. They believe what we believe enough to get on the bus with us, but right. we as leaders may have put them in the wrong place. Um, you see this a lot with family businesses. Well, and, and they, they limit each other because, well, uh, Johnny over there, you know, he's just this way, right? And so versus somebody who comes in fresh, they see him in a totally different light and 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 we'll, we'll happily give them responsibility because because they're sold on they sort of almost fallen in love with their their new candidate, their new their new hire. So as a coach, you're drilling down into that on an organizational level a lot with with business owners. Um and that's that's fascinating. Um, one of the things that we uh, we firmly believe is one of the things that keeps small businesses really small is the inability to allow talent space to grow. Um, and it sounds like you, you see that as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, it can be a very limiting, very stifling place. And particularly, you know, and, and Pat Linsaconi talks about this in, mm-hmm. in his dysfunctionality, the five dysfunctions. Um, you know, there are no secrets and no hiding places in a business. Yeah. You as the owner may think, that no one else knows that that person over there really isn't the best person for the job. Yeah. But you're the only one that knows that, right? <laughs> everybody Everybody, knows. everybody sees and, it. And, and that kind of really deteriorating effect that that has on more on morale um, can be staggering. And, yeah. and it, by the way, trans, we're not talking touchy-feely here. Mm-hmm. We're talk, that translates into lost money, lost opportunity, yeah. lost revenue, sure. lost ability to grow a team that can function on a level so that you don't have to be involved in every step of the day, which is a whole nother issue of delegation and yeah. how difficult it is sometimes for business owners to delegate. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, it'll take me longer than to explain it than just do it myself, or no one's gonna do it as well as I can, or he's sure. an idiot, or she's not a, uh, it's a lot of Throw stuff. Throwing blame. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of head, head trash around that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, love a book, I just, just finished a book a while ago called Extreme Ownership. Um, hmm. I gotta get, get it to you. Great book, just on owning things, right? It's and and if imagine a team where everybody owned the outcome, what would that look like? And oftentimes, to your point, it seems like business owners um, at the top get into the routine of going, "Gosh, nobody can do it as well as I can," and and that disposition causes them to blame other people instead of owning it themselves entirely. Yes. you brought them in. You know, you're you're the you're the one who who put him in the seat, right? Yeah, it's um, all about, you know above and below, uh, above and below the line behavior, right? Yeah, you're taking responsibility and ownership, or are you are you blaming? Yeah. So H- having said that, though, I mean, one thing that I, I think is really important to to come back to and circle back to, and it's to your almost your initial question, small business owners. Yeah. Uh, this is an over overused, but they really are the salt of the earth, and we really are mm-hmm. the back bur- backbone of this country. Absolutely. You know. While everybody who works for somebody thinks that that somebody is making a lot of money, <laughs> the fact is, is business owners like way, way, 
lay awake at night worrying about making that payroll check. Absolutely. Not taking their own check to make sure that they can pay everybody else in the organization. Sure. So it's it's that sense of commitment mm-hmm. sometimes that leads to the inability of of thinking bigger, yeah. of dreaming bigger, of do I deserve it? Yeah. It's really a fear-based reaction in some ways. Gosh, I'm so... And, and frankly, we all deal with it, right? Uh, big executives at big firms. Sure. We see this when when big firms with great ideals don't live up to their ideals. It's really out of fear um, and sort of watching watching their own personal bottom line instead of th- th- that of others. Um, and it's a loss of the, the understanding of, of the why. So if I can circle back to, you know, brass tacks, we, you know, I'm a small business owner I've not been coached before, I've, or I've had a coach, you know, and it was okay. Um, how do I, how do I, how do I determine who the right coach is for me? By sitting down and having conversation. Um, you know, it's coaching is relationship based. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are all these shows on TVs. You know, where these Australian coaches come in and they save the restaurant, they yell at everybody. That's not real life. Yeah. Um, there has to be a respect mm-hmm. and there has to be an honesty between you and your coach. And that can only be established by sitting down and, and having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, there has to be a certain amount of trust. I tell clients, new clients, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Look, you don't know exactly where we're going to be in three months or six months or 12 months. Yeah. I do trust the process. Trust the growth, whether it's it'll be in growth as an individual, it'll be growth as as an owner, it'll be growth bottom line. Mm-hmm. Trust the process. Yeah, and I love that because any good business has a process. Any good business has a model. And so your model has been refined over time, and you're going to walk people through that model. Um, how much do you get into your model right out of the gates with, with somebody who's a savvy business owner and they want to go, okay, so Jeff, what are you bringing? Um, what's your methodology? Uh, how much are you breaking into that right out of the gates with them? Depends on the person. Yeah. You know, if you look at the disc profile, you know, if they're high D, uh, we'll, we'll just get right into it. Yeah. If, if they're an S and they want to read the manual before they put their foot in the, <laughs> yeah. in the pool. Sure. Right. So that's you not know, me. It, it'll, no, it's not, <laughs> um, nor me. Uh, we'll get into it as far as trust the process because there is a process. And what we're going to do is the first thing we're going to do, we're going to have you take that assessment because mm-hmm. it's going to give me a, what would take me three months to gear up to. I yeah. ramp up to immediately. It'll give us a nice subjective language. Yeah, um, We'll see some of what's going on. And then we're going to sit down and do an old fashioned interview. Great. Where I'm just going to ask you about personal goals, business goals, current challenges. Yeah. And from there, a lot of what we work on uh, becomes apparent. What I love about my methodology is there's always the big picture. Yeah. We are, you know, one year, three year, five years out and the things we need to do. Mm-hmm. But if I come in today and Pat, you <clears> say <throat> to me, well, listen, you know, John walked out on me this morning. Mm. You know, one of your key people. I'm not going to say, well, look, Pat, you know, we were supposed to talk about unique selling proposition today. <laughs> right. I don't want to so, hear about John. Yeah. You're addressing <laughs> the issue. Right. So I'm working on two, at least two different levels. Yeah. You know, one up here and then Big one day to day what's going on. Absolutely. And, That's great. Yes, and and that's again part of what I love is because it it that allows me to establish relationships with my clients that yeah. go deep. I mean, I've got, and I won't go into names, but I've got clients who call me and say, "Hey, listen, I'm having this problem with my kid. What do you think?" Mm-hmm. 
And wow. to me, that's, that's like, a lot of trust. That's sweet, right? Because yeah. that's that's trust. That you've got you've taken a relationship to a level where they're not willing to go with many other people. So yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. And what I hear, what I'm hearing you say is that much of your coaching is actually belly to belly yeah. with folks. You're not. How often are you doing a call versus an in person? Uh, I'd say 90% of my coaching is is face-to-face. That's great. Now, I've got the um, luxury of that because in this Montgomery County, I mean, you know, a lot my, of great all of my clients are within a 20-mile radius. That's phenomenal. Uh, I do have some clients that are out of state, yep. you know, and we'll do that, Skype or phone. Fantastic. Yeah. But it's the, this is what I mean. I, this, oh, yeah. This, this is, is what, what this I where right? Yeah. This is, this is your jam, if, as yeah, they say. As they say. Um, great. And when... Just as a professional, right? We you you mentioned millennials, and I think it's a it, it's every generation, every younger generation gets this bad rap. Oh, they don't listen to their to their to, right. to their elders, right? And, and it's a millennial issue. Now, it's it's a youth issue. It's a it's a it's an idealism that I think oftentimes is misunderstood. Well, right? I, well as a baby boomer and a child of the late sixties and seventies, I would say well, it may not be a youth issue. It might be an adult issue. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. Just a misunderstanding uh, between. Yeah. It's, it, it's a gap and it's a sense of, you know, mortality and no, my way is better because I'm getting older and, you know, more of my days are in the rear view mirror. So you're so going to listen to me right now. I've so much more wisdom than you look at what I've, I've acquired. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. But it, it doesn't that strike you as just one of these things that just every generation looks at the younger ones and says, well... When, once you've had my experience, right, right. Um, I was a kid once. Yeah, you know, uh, you'll 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 come along. Um, but what I see in, in millennials is a is a real desire for information. They've grown up in in the most absolute vast, voracious of of information ages ever. Right, access to information, and 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 so they're great consumers of information. Um, not all of it great. Right, there's a lot of sophomoric knowledge out there. Um, do you see? Uh, I'm I'm just curious about this. We coach a lot of millennials as they come into this business. Um, when when would you like to start? You know, a, a, a business owner, um, you know, starting off a business. Um, when do you want to? When do you want to see them? Or do you like to help people ramp up businesses? Um, is that, you know, in a perfect world, would you like to be at the, at the beginning or do you like him to try to get into it, get into the, get mired and then realize I need a coach? Well, yeah, to your, to your question and point earlier, um, you know, typically my, the sweet spot for me has always been at least two or three years into it mm-hmm. where they know enough of what they don't know and they've experienced enough of, of discomfort. A little bit of humility. Yeah. A little bit of humility. Having said that, I mean, I've coached people from startup. Yeah. Um, I've coached people from, you know, who businesses that have been around for 25, 30 years. That's great. Uh, second and third generation family. The millennials, I love them. Now I'm prejudiced. I've got two, two girls. You got a couple of millennials in the house. Millennials. Or outside uh, of the house Outside now. of the house. Yeah. And as you know, so this past year, 16, uh, I was the board chair of the Corporate Volunteer Council mm-hmm. of Montgomery County. And one of the things I wanted to do was bring in some new blood into the, the board. Um, and I specifically wanted to find some millennials. And I tell you, these these women, the two young women, you know, 30s, early 30s, they were fantastic. They said no, they, anything I asked them to do, they said yes. They did it much more efficiently 
and quickly uh, than most others do. Mm -hmm. And it was just a pleasure. That's great. Um, you know, there's this, there's a, there's a myth of en entitlement, but yeah. not really. They just, they want to understand why they're doing it. They want to feel a part of something. Yeah. They want to feel like they're making a difference. But they'll leave if there's not a big vision. If there's not a, oh, yeah. if there's not an attachment to the an understanding of the why, they'll they'll churn through employers really fast. I'll, I'll use our older daughter Michal as an example. She's been working since she was 21, 2021. Mm -hmm. Graduated. She's now. Oh, I'll get in trouble if I say she's in her early 30s. <laughs> um, she's had six or seven different jobs along the way, uh -huh. and each and every one has been her own choosing. Yeah, just didn't feel she belonged. Didn't yeah. didn't get it. Didn't understand what the work she was doing, how that was impacting with the world outside of her. Yeah, and there's a comfort with that in some ways uh, as as you're as you're developing. And I love uh, you know I've talked about career capital. This this, this term coined by Cal Newport, um, and so Cal Newport, great author. Um, wrote um, So Good They Can't Ignore You. And he talks about this idea of career capital. And millennials are, are because they're such voracious learners, they're ticking through, you know, one job, they'll learn this, they'll learn this, but they'll hit, when they see that there's not an opportunity for growth, they're going to move on. Mm -hmm. There's not an opportunity for, for personal enrichment. They're going to move on because that's, those are the businesses that will lack a, a big vision of, of why we're doing this. Um, and, but we've had great success, um, just taking, you know, folks who are interns, casting a big vision, having them run towards a goal for the 90 days that they're out of school. And now folks are coming back and wanting to be part of the organization, not because, Hey, we, we, we have, um, you know, beer in the fridge or because we've got bean bags, mm -hmm. um, cause we don't. And, but they're, they're here because of the vision and that is so exciting to me that, that we've now got folks who want to champion this vision. They've got a lot more time that they're going to be in this industry than I will. Um, to just, really just to meet. step in for a second, Pat, and I don't mean this gratuitously at all. They're not here because of the vision. They're here because of you mm. and because you as an owner and you as, as a member of a community understand the importance of having a vision. Mm. And it's very specific to you, but it very clearly comes from you. And you've made a very conscious decision to grow your business and your organization and most importantly, the people around you to that. Well, first, one you. of the first conversations we had, you said, I said, what, what business are you in? You said, well, I'm in the business of coaching people. Yeah. Nothing to do with real estate. Yeah. Um, so that's kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, again, it's a, I think all the great leaders I've ever met have used the great vehicle of business, the business leaders that I've met, that I've met or, or know, have used the great vehicle of business. All the great spiritual leaders have used the great vehicle of religion to go deeper with people, to, to have them have, have self-realization, self-mastery, and, and to get them to a different place in their life. And I think as business leaders, if we're not doing that, we're, it's, it's, it's just squandered. And that's why our relationship yeah. is built so well and, and we get so much out of, out of our time together. So. And so something quickly about the self-mastery, I love that term, and mm -hmm. I coach to it, I coach around it, but there, there can be a pitfall because self-mastery is all about knowing what you don't know. Yeah. And we go through stages of, we go from unconscious incompetency, we yeah. don't know what we don't know, conscious incompetency, I'm sitting on dad's lap, hands on the wheel, but I know I can't drive. Yeah. Conscious competency, I'm pressing the clutch, I'm getting there, but it's all a lot of thinking. And then yeah. unconscious competency, now I'm just driving, just doing right? doing it, yeah. So the magic in life, 
And, and the magic in learning and running a business is when you get there and say, okay, now what don't I know? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a really hard one at you. Um, big philo philosophical, but I think we can get granular on it as well. What, in your view, because really what you're coaching is leadership, mm -hmm. right? And you're in the leader formation business, really, is what mm -hmm. you're in. Um, what, in your view, is the one thing that is needed most in leaders, in business leaders today? A sense of humility. Mm -hmm. An unbending self sense of purpose. Mm. And a sense of selflessness. Which is really very related to humility, right? And which is all tied into, and if I had to use one word, the word I would use is mindfulness. Mm. Um, I've written a, I've written on the subject. There's a white paper on my website on it, mindful leadership. And we live at a time where we don't pay attention to what's around us. Yeah. We go through our days in a mindless way because we've got this iPhone and we've got that construction outside and we've got things are moving so quick that we walk down the street, we don't look up. We're just consuming instead of consuming, exuding. Um, you know, I used to, when I would do workshops or strategic planning sessions, I used to come in and say, okay, um, I need you guys to participate 100% with me today. You in? Everybody raises their hand. But if, if you're not present, you don't know what that question means. Mm. As opposed to coming in and saying, hey, Pat, you know, take a second and just look around and, and notice two things that you haven't seen before. By definition, you have to stop. Yeah. You have to come present. Sure. You have to be mindful. And you're now in the space that you need to be in. Yeah. So this concept of, of mindfulness is, is really powerful. There's a, a social psychologist out of Harvard um, Ellen Langer, who mm -hmm. spent her lifetime writing on mindfulness, you know, and she even talks about the fallacy. And for years, this was a paradigm shift for me. Uh, for years, we talk about work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And that is a fallacy because I can stand up and I can balance uh -huh. for how long? Sure. Right? Um, it's dangerous without a net. Yeah. But instead of balancing, if you actually integrate who you are regardless of where you're at. Mm -hmm. So be Pat, whether you're at home with the kids or whether you're here yeah, or whether you're at a networking event or whether yeah. we're talking to Nick Cirillo, be sure. who you are. Now, obviously we wear different hats, yeah. but if imagine workplace drama yeah. and tension. So much of that is because we're playing roles that we aren't. Sure. We're not being genuine to who we are. Yeah. We're trying so, to wear too many hats. Yeah, and we think, okay, well, I have to speak differently to Nick, and I have to speak differently to you, and I have to act differently with John. Just be authentic. Hey, this is me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and when you can hit that place of being mindful, then that encompasses, encompasses that question you asked about drilling deep. What is it that you really, as a leader, somebody who's developing leadership and coaching toward that, my ultimate goal is to bring people to a state of being mindful. Awesome. Awesome. Jeff, this is great. Thank you so much. Um, always good so, spending time with you, Pat. Oh, it's always a blast. And so if you're, if somebody's interested in, in getting to know you, interviewing you as a coach, what's the best way to do that? Um, give me a call. Okay. 703-963-6034. Great. Go to my website, uh, jeffmillerconsultingalliance.com. Very good. Uh, email jeff at 
jmconsultingalliance.com. Right. You're, you're, you're connected. So there you go. Easy to find. Um, yeah. And if you want to get more of a comfort level, actually on the website um, and on a YouTube channel, there's um, a bunch of podcasts that I've done over the years. Oh, great. Which will kind of give you a further uh, yeah. sense of my philosophy and my approach. And who Fantastic. Great. Well, thanks everybody for listening and for watching. Yeah. Um, again, Jeff, thank you. Pat, always good a to see you. Good to see you, man. We'll do it again. Sounds good. All right.